This is the Converge Podcast. We meet at 10.30 every Sunday morning at Heritage Baptist Church in the chapel. This is a group that is geared towards those who are young adults who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel life wherever the journey takes them. That's right. Good morning. I have trouble following that energy, but um, I'm here. Guys, I want to start this morning um, by actually giving you some time around your table to uh, catch up with each other and to pray specifically for the people that you're sitting with. So I want you, I want you to take the time to actually hear from one another, maybe you know, maybe let your guard down a little bit. Tell the people at your table um, things that are coming up this week. Maybe you're looking at a heavy semester. Maybe um, maybe life just kind of hit you really hard this week, and there's something that we can pray with you about. Don't forget in that, too, though, to celebrate also how God is working. So share the, the highs and the lows and join with each other to pray. So we'll take um, a good 10 minutes or so to just give you some time to um, connect with each other and pray together.
chance to wrap up your sharing time and pray, then uh, go ahead and take one more minute and, and pray together before we, before we start here. Father, you are such a gracious and loving God. You are humbled by the privilege that you give us and even you only give us the privilege to love. I think of the, the cost that that came at, the sacrifice of your own son on our behalf. And Father, we just come before you grateful and humble for who you are. I pray that as we look into your word, that you would do those things in us that, that need to be done. So as Pastor Nathan even led us in prayer this morning, that where, where we need to be changed, would you do that great work in us? And where we need to be encouraged by who you are, Father, would you show us who you are? Where we need to be spurred on to do more, would you inflame our hearts to uh, what you would have glorify you in the work that is done in this place, in our hearts, in our own lives today. So thank you for, for that, that you have already begun. I just pray that as we continue that work today, you would uh, give us ears and ears and hearts. Guys, today is a milestone day uh, that you have no idea about, so I'm going to tell you. Uh, and that is, today is going to be the last day of our Through the Bible series. Some of you might say, but we're not through the Bible. <laughs> Quite astute you are. Okay. Um, we are, um, we're opting in uh, anticipation of the, the fall being kind of a, a varied crowd from who has been with us up to this point of diving into a new series that's cohesive for everybody who's, who's here starting um, the new semester. So some of you may be leaving us um, in the next few weeks, and we, um, we don't want to think about that, so we won't. Some others will join us in the next few weeks, and we, uh, we look forward to, um, to that happening as well. And so we, in, in just anticipation of that, we are, we're going to start transitioning to what the fall is going to look like. And so next week, we have a guest coming. To, um, to speak about a recent trip um, overseas. And so Chris and his, maybe his family too, I'm not sure, will, um, will be here. Chris, uh, not that Chris. I'm very carefully not throwing out last names because of future endeavors. But one of our um, future global workers is going to be here to, um, to share next week. 
So that'll be, um, that'll be a time to get updated on just what God is doing around the world and also how you might even be able to be a part of it, uh, either as you stay local or as you go. Uh, in, in August, we're going to actually um, shift to uh, part of our new rhythms that we're going to do for the fall, which is we'll do um, a time of study. And this, this first week of August is going to be um, helping us to take a look at our identity in Christ, what the work that God has accomplished on our behalf um, in that first week of August. The second week of August, we're going to dive deep in discussion over that. So teaching in the first week and heavy discussion in the second week that we'll be able to spend time around these tables to really invest in how do we live out what we were talking about last week and what we've even maybe thought through in the meantime. The third week of August on the 20th, we're going to have a, um, a prayer focused Sunday. We're going to, that's something that we want to make sure is a part of at least a, a recurring time frame in Converge. And so we're going to, we're going to have that in um, in August, we're going to, I just invited um, Kyle to take part of that day to update us on what he has just been um, doing, which is also traveling overseas, but then to also guide us through some prayer time in um, God's heart for the nations and our role in each of those pieces. So um, we'll, we'll have that. That'll be a, a dedicated prayer Sunday with some guided prayer, some um, time around tables to, to interact with each other and pray for each other, but but also even to pray through scripture in, in worship is something that I want us to be able to do on those Sundays. So we'll have that in the third week of August. <clears throat> the fourth week of August is when we're kicking off our um, fall Converge semester, okay? And uh, so that'll be a day where we anticipate People come in for the first time, so we'll be very informative about what Converge is, but also set the stage to start in on September the 3rd with our first Sunday in a series that's going to take us in the fall through who I am in Christ, and in the spring, what does that mean about how I live for Christ? So that's going to be our year, um, taking, a, taking a trip through different aspects of of my identity in Jesus and the, how that works out in everyday life. Walking through, not verse by verse necessarily, but, but um, chunk by chunk, idea by idea through the book of Ephesians because Paul really lays it out in Ephesians um, in the first half about who you are in Jesus and in the second half about how that filters out into relationships and the workplace and, and so on and so forth. So we're going to... Um, we're going to dig into those ideas through the year, but kind of taking that pattern of where we're going to dig deep into God's word in the first week of the month. We're going to discuss that um, at, at length in the second week, really just to flesh it out. How do, how do we respond to that? What's, where's our station in life right now uh, responding to what we've learned? And then we'll have um, two weeks in each month where, where we do some things that are adjacent to that. So a topical visit on, a, on something that's uh, adjacent to that study that week. Um, and then some opportunities for prayer, some guest speakers, some um, days that we're looking at calling uh, small talk Sundays 
where we have not so much table-sized groups, but like medium-sized groups where leaders and, and people who are here for the day can kind of ask questions back and forth as it relates to your life aspect of that. You might remember um, last fall doing that in, uh, on a Sunday where, where we just were asking the question, why did you choose Heritage and why did you stay? And it gave some opportunities to just um, ask questions in a more, uh, a little bit larger context than a table, but a much less um, intimidating than this whole thing is. So uh, we might also take a couple of those Sundays and have expert panels appear, people who have been around the block through relationships and are able to answer some questions that we might gather ahead of time in that. But So I just wanted to give you a little bit of, of an outlook on why the shift, being that we actually have been going through the Bible chronologically, so I, I just wanted to explain that there was rationale behind it, not um, not just all of a sudden a drop in the bucket um, for no reason, okay? I hope that if you are tracking with us, reading through the Bible this year, that you continue to do that, that that by, um, by the opportunities that are given to you in small group context or just person to person where you can share with each other how God is revealing himself through his word to you, um, because because he has grown in his revelation of himself as we've gone from the very first days of creation to now the thick of the prophets, we, we have learned how God has progressively opened up his, the understanding that he has provided of himself. And so it only continues to get more detailed as Jesus shows up on the scene. And so that's where we're going in the fall with the Bible reading plan. I invite you to continue in that. If you haven't been uh, with us, then I would, I, I would invite you to join us. And so if you want to um, be a part of that reading plan, you can find that on our website, whether it's Ask Me um, or how to get connected. Um, so for today, as we wrap up our walk through the um, Together Through the Bible series, uh, we're going to end it in, um, in the Prophets. And we're going to look at a little bit from Isaiah. So if you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 30, we're also going to reference a little bit from Hosea today. Uh, this has been a significant week of reading in the prophets. If you have been doing it, you've been through about half of Isaiah this week. And you've read um, a couple other spots as it pertains to the history of things in Kings and Chronicles. You also read the entire story of Hosea, uh, which most of you are at least familiar with some of the some of the details there, and we're going to relate to that a little bit. So I, I want us to look at um, some significant things in uh, in how God speaks to Israel about where they stand before Him in this time of uh, walking away from the Lord. And then how God responds, because that's where I want us to settle into is what, so what is God saying about himself as he addresses some of the stuff that Israel's walking through? As a result of that, okay, we can see how Israel is acting um, and kind of deviating from what God has set forth. We're going to talk about how God responds in those times. And I want us to end with, so what about, what about us? Like how? How do we 
fit into all of this? And what, what does it mean for my life today as I see the character of God who is unchanging? And, and now I need to respond to the same God that Israel has been uh, responding to or not in some cases. Uh, and so what does that mean for us today? Okay, so we're going to move um, pretty fast because I want to give you some time to discuss some things at the end too. Isaiah chapter 30, I want us to read the verse, the first 17 verses, and I want you to look for um, Israel's pride, and especially as it pertains to self-reliance, okay? That's what I want you to be looking for. Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, who make an alliance, but not of my spirit that they may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the protection of Pharaoh turn to your shame, the shelter in the shadow of Egypt to your, to your humiliation. For though his officials are at Zoan and his envoys reach Cain, Every one comes to shame. Through a people that cannot profit them, that brings neither help nor profit, but shame and ruin. An oracle on the beasts of the middle. Through a land of trouble and anguish, from where comes the lioness and the lion, the adder and the flying fiery serpent. Dwell on that for a minute and your day becomes a little bit more fearful on what a flying fiery serpent is. They carry their riches on the backs of donkeys and their treasures on the humps of camels to a people that cannot profit them. Egypt's help is worthless and empty. Therefore, I have called her Rahab, who sits still. And now go write before them on a tablet and inscribe it in a book that it may be for, uh, for the time to come as a witness forever. For they are rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right, speak to us smooth things, prophesy illusions, lead the way, turn aside from the path, let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and rely on them, therefore this iniquity shall be to you like a breach in a high wall bulging out and about to collapse, whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant. And its breaking is like that of a potter's vessel that is smashed so ruthlessly that among its fragments not a shard is found, and with which to take the fire from the hearth or dip up the water out of a cistern. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling you said, no, I will flee upon the horses, therefore you shall flee away, and we will ride upon swift steeds, therefore your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the, threat, at the threat of one, and at the threat of five you shall flee, for you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Read in, in these 17 verses of God's 
pointing out what I would describe as look at the Israelites and we say, okay, how many generations, I mean, it's been a few, okay, it's been a few, but how many generations have to go by for, for you to just forget that Egypt really isn't the place you probably want to go? How much do you have to remove from your memory the way that God has intervened on your behalf to determine that I would rather rely on my own wisdom in this situation than on the direction of God's own representative. As they say, I don't want to hear the seers. I don't want to listen to the prophets. We're going to determine our own way. And, And you begin to, if you're like me, you begin to shake your head at the prospect of of having experienced all the things that Israel as a nation has experienced. You may may give yourself enough time to think, well, these individuals, though they have the the tales of what God has done, though they understand the work that's been done on their behalf, though they have the, the, the understanding of what God has even prescribed and how relating to him should look, it's been been lost over a few generations of people deviating away from what God has designed and and now you you maybe you give just enough space for the individuals to be making poor decisions but you think as a nation as a whole like surely they somebody would speak up somebody would direct them back and we we begin to shake our heads just a little bit like wow that seems irrational you know God to be shelter and your own form of um, support in battles and security among uh, these these disturbances that are happening, why are you leaving to God who has demonstrated his power to you? The trouble is that as we shake our head, we might realize that we do the exact same thing. That as we go from even one experience to the next, as we as we see God provide in a particular way and then we reach another breaking point for how is, how is this going to happen? And it might be financial. We think, we think financially um, a lot of times and then we say provision, but maybe it's just how God is providing for you the stability to go through tumultuous situations because God is the one who can bring stability and hope that is extending far past the circumstances find yourself in, so that you have something that anchors you in those storms. You go through one storm and you see, you see that God has worked. Maybe you have the benefit of hindsight on that one because you didn't really um, thrive in it in the first place, but you look back and you say, okay, God, God was at work here. Now, I, I can trust him for the next one until the next one comes along, and then we begin to get shaky on that so we, we finger point at the Israelites who are seeing this, um, this devastation coming their way, and they're like, okay, we need, to, we need to do whatever we can for the self-preservation of the nation. So they begin to speak it in, in Egypt, in 
they begin to deviate from whatever um, it is that God would have for them and say, no, we've got horses that we're okay instead of our God is working miracles. And so within this, we read of God saying, so it's going to happen that you are going to fall a bit. That your form of security is going to turn out to be your biggest downfall. He says these things. Your security in horses that you're going to flee from this trouble, you're, you're just going to you're going to flee away. You're going to trust these swift steeds, but instead, your pursuers are going to be swift. This is going to result in your own downfall. And so, on the one hand, God is going to work in these situations to bring to their awareness just how devastating it is to walk away from the God who has created them has called them to be a unique nation among the peoples to represent him to all the nations so that they might know of this God who loves all mankind. But after he allows them to fall to this and experience the the devastation that's going to happen because they're deviating from his plan, our God's character stays true in a gracious and loving, restoring I want to continue to read the next few verses. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Then you will defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. You will scatter them as unclean things. You will say to them, be gone. And he continues to talk about the, the restoration of what will take place and ultimately looking at the restoration of all things as, as a king will come to Zion, as a kingdom will be established, and as God wills protect and restore his people. But this is the nature of your God who, though he punishes the wickedness, will restore in love and grace as they, as they turn away from idols as they break them down themselves and turn their faces to God in repentance. Another um, passage that we read this week was Hosea, and you guys would probably be able to rehearse some of the the trajectory, the overall trajectory of of Hosea, knowing that that of of all the remarkable things that prophets were asked to do, on behalf of God to represent him and to give some illustration to the message that he would have for his people. Hosea's ranks up there in the top. To be asked to, told to, marry a prostitute and then continue to love her as she left him 
and that we understand this to be a very explicit picture of how God sees the fickle heart of Israel to chase after their own self-gratification, to leave the God who loves them, who has taken them out of worthlessness and sinfulness, to then leave and depart and while we again, if you're like me, maybe I'm the only one who's like this, we shake our heads at Gomer, not because I'm named Gomer, but we shake our, name, our head at Gomer and we think, why would you do that? If we're honest enough, we shake our head a little bit at Hosea to say, why would you do that? That's to pursue and beckon to come and live in the love that, that he has for her. And so as we, as we know that this is, this is a picture of, of Israel's idolatry, continually chasing after, in, again, the explicit picture of whoring after other gods, God continues to say, Like Gomer, like Israel, we continue to chase after self-gratification and all the idols that we produce in our own lives. And God says, turn away from it and return to me in love. I love you. This is how Hosea wraps up the whole pleading of God. Chapter 14. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all my iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with wolves the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more, our God, to the work of our own hands, to you that work in I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned to you. I will be like the dew of the Lord. You shall blossom like the lily. You shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. Its shoots shall spread out. Its beauty shall be like the olive and its fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Oh, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress and you come to ruin. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right and the upright walk in them. But transgressors stumble in them. Our God beckons them to return and experience the restoring love that he has for them. And so as I, as I was thinking how, how this kind of compares, okay, how, how just this whole picture of who God is in both this conversation with 
the people of Israel through Isaiah and then again through Hosea, I see a whole lot of pride, okay? We see pride in the self-reliance that we, that we read about in Isaiah. We see pride in, in self-gratification in Hosea. And in both cases, God, God seeks to restore these people to himself. And so if they would act in humility, instead of chasing after their own things, you get protection and gratification from these people. So maybe find a whole separate aspect of you to pursue the, or your own life. And they return to God in humility in the first place. So this is, this is our God. He knows that we are proud just like the Israelites. And yet his character is the same that as you as you lay down your pride and you respond to him in humility, he will respond to you. So my question for you to start our time today is as it pertains to your relationship with God, what is humility? Like define the term. Okay? I mean we I've defined the term before in other days here. Maybe you remember that, but maybe maybe you at your table, let's just take one minute and see if we can get a consensus on the definition of what what is humility as it pertains to our relationship with God. Can you guys take just a minute to discuss that? We don't have to put that slide up yet for stuff. Take just a minute. Let's see if we can get a definition. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal back the conversation. I'm sorry. Um, 
perhaps you've come to a really great definition. I hope that I hope that it uh, has maybe enlightened you just a little bit as to some of the terms that we use, but then have a little bit of a difficulty in, in getting a definition wrapped around them. Um, I want to share with you a quote from C.J. Mahaney, who has written a book on humility called Humility. Um, Others have, others have too. You can read multiple books on humility. His, his um, is really close to one that I have uh, used. I'll summarize his in what, what I have said before. Um, this is what C.J. Mahaney says. What is humility? Humility is honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. That's the twin reality that all genuine humility is rooted in. God's holiness and our sinfulness. Without an honest awareness of both these realities, all self-evaluation will be skewed and we'll fail to either understand or practice true humility. So if you've been in this room long enough, you've probably heard me say something like, humility, real godly humility is an honest understanding of who God is and who we are in light of that. Because Sometimes humility gets twisted into self-deprecation. And that's not exactly where God wants us to live either. It's understanding who we are in Christ. So understanding that there is large amounts of grace and increased, increasing amounts of relational um, benefits to being in the relationship with God. And so there is value insofar as the sacrifice honest self-evaluation based on our understanding of who God is. An honest awareness of who God is and who we are in light of it. If, if that's our understanding of humility, that we see both God's holiness and our sinfulness and the work that God has done on our behalf and how we live as a result of that, then there are certain responses that we need to have in humility to this God who demonstrates love to those chase after their own profit. So as we think about that, I've got a couple of questions to wrap up our time today. Seth, can we get those questions up? Oh, look at that. Nice. Um, we've already defined humility. You can work from the definition you guys were working on, or, um, or you can shift to what we were discussing here just a second ago. Um, here's the question that I want you to talk about next. Okay, so in what area of your life, sorry, of your life are you prone to get this out of balance? Meaning my understanding of God's holiness and my sinfulness, okay? So that you end up kind of living in a proud perception of yourself. Okay, in what area of your life are you prone to get this out of balance? Do you tend to get this out of balance in the view of the inferiority of others? Your self-reliance? Uh, in what God has for you right now, so on and so forth. But what are you prone to get out of balance? What are your current rhythms of time with God? And the reason that question is pertinent to this discussion is you don't get a true understanding of God if you're not spending time with him. So the more that we understand, the more that we spend time with God, the better we understand who he is and who we are in light of who he is. And so we get a, a better perception of our own humanity.
humility and the better opportunity to live it out if we're spending time with God. And so, so I'm curious, what are your current rhythms of time with God? Are you spending the time with your God that would expose you to who you are and who he is? And then lastly, how does Godward humility, meaning this humility that we talked about in light of, of your relationship with God or in, in, um, specifically in your relationship with God, how does that shape interpersonal humility? Because it, sh- it should, you know, you might, you might jump right to New Testament passages that say, um, think of others as more important than yourself, okay? And th- that's fine, not to give you the cheap way out, but, um, but think through, what does, what does living in a humble state before the Lord do to inform your relationships with others and how you can act with humility there, okay? So this is, um, this is the last thing we've got. Uh, it's, it's 11.30 right now. There's not somebody coming in after us. Um, so if you can stick around a little bit and discuss a few of these questions, then I think that would be great. In about um, about five minutes, I'll come and just pray for us to wrap things up. And if you need to go at that point, you can administer this to step out and leave. But um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for participating in the conversation. I hope the questions will help guide your uh, next thoughts about humility.
thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to get plugged into a small group, just text HB Converge to 81010 and you will get the text reminders for all the small groups. If you have any questions, just respond to one of those text reminders and it will go to our leadership team and they will be able to respond to you directly.